When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall And in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call Telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove For the first time in my life, I see I need love There I was, giggling about the games That I had played with many hearts, and I'm not saying no names Then the thought occurred, tear drops made my eyes burn Cause I said to myself, look what you've done to her I can feel it inside, I can't explain how it feels All I know is that I never dish another raw deal Playing make-believe, pretending that I'm Holding in my laugh as I say that I love you Saying I'm more, kissing you on the ear Whispering I love you and I'll always be here Although I often reminisce, I can't believe that I found A desire for true love floating around Inside my soul, because my soul is cold One half of me deserves to be this way till I'm old But the other half needs affection and joy And the world that is created by a girl and a boy I need love So tell me how your tour is going saying it's real successful you know we sell a lot of tickets it's just it's real hectic you know what i'm saying interviews girls calling me all the time Yo, it's real crazy go, man you see what i mean
dream of fairy tales. I think of me and Shelly. See, she's my type of hype, and I can't stand when brothers tell me that I should quit chasing and look for something better. But the smile that she shows makes me a go-getter. I haven't gone as far as asking if I could get with her. I just play love by ear and hope she gets the picture. I'm shooting for her heart, got my finger on the trigger. She can be my broad, and I can be hype. All I can do is stay up. Back as kids, we used to kiss when we played truth the day. Now she's more sophisticated, highly educated, not at all overrated. I think I need a prayer to get in a book, and it looks rather dry. I guess a twinkle in her eye is just a twinkle in her eye. Although she's crazy stepping, I try and stop the stride, because I won't have no more of this passive vibe. Time for me to voice my opinion, can be pretending she didn't have me. Sprung like a chicken, chasing my tail like a doggy. She was kind of like a star, thinking I was like a fan. Damn, she looked good. Downside, she had a man. He was a Rudy, too. A Nick and Pooh. She told me soon your little birdie's on the father coon. She was a flake like corn, and I was born not to understand. My letting the past, I proved to be a better man. wasn't such a wimp, cause then I would let you know that I love you so when it your man, then I would be true, the only lion I would do is in the bed with you, then I signed to tell the one who loves you dearly, he has loved me tender, but the latter came back three days later, returned to cinder. Wait a minute. Sorry about that. I have to say all that again. Good morning, everyone. This is Bro Diallo Show, Q4 Radio, AM 1680. Tune in, app, iTunes Radio, and of course, Q4.org, broadcasting live. Today is February 14th in the year of your Lord, 2020. Today is St. Valentine's Day, and uh, I'm here in the studio with Dr. Mingo. Uh, she'll be joining us every Friday for entire Black History Month because you know how black people get on Black History Month. They want to do something black <laughs> once. So welcome. Happy to have you. Thank you. Uh, one second. I got to kill this light. 
Sorry about that. Okay, I'm back. And as I was saying, I had to, you know, bump some uh some some love tunes. The only love tunes I know. I was raised on hip hop. So we played LL Cool J, uh I Need Love, followed by uh what was the second song? Do you were you listening? It was it was not the part Mary J. Blige. All I need. No, not all J. Blige. That's that's a Method Man song. I mean, that's a <laughs> no, that's a that's a that's a hip hop song. Uh, by Method Man. <laughs> uh, all I need by Method Man, and that was followed by uh, Passing Me By. Uh, those are the most uh, romantic uh, love songs that I could think of. So, and since it is Valentine's Day, which kind of snuck up on us because uh, it's not a holiday that uh, rests high, you know, no fireworks. So, if it ain't fireworks, I don't even pay attention. But if you want to call into the Bro Diallo show for some love advice, if you want me to fix your relationship, if you are alone and single and afraid, and you want to know how to change your circumstance call into the bro diallo show today today is the only day that we can call in and talk about emotions and things that normally alpha males don't deal with <laughs> alpha males. yes umarian alpha males when you gonna leave that boy alone uh i'm gonna leave him alone you know he's head hunting now well let me get the number <laughs> it's three one two Nine eight five seven eight three four three one two nine eight five seven eight three four. If you want to call in for some love advice, um, right, let me make sure, make sure the phone lines are active. Yes, V O I P, ready. So if you want to call in, if you want before the sun goes down, to have the love of your life in your arms, or if you have the love of your life and things ain't going the way they're supposed to, I can fix it all. So, in the span of like a two, one and a half minute phone call. So, that's today. That's the only thing I'm offering today. Today. today, today. Um, so, that's all. I'm putting that out there because it is St. Valentine's Day. And it's the least I can do for the people then. So, moving on. Uh, yeah, Umar is headhunting. Uh, the P Prince of Pan-Africanism, Big Papa. Uh, gave a list of names that he was specifically wanting people to uh, search the documents. He wanted their home addresses and their um, work addresses because they have been critical of him. He's claimed one of the men, one of the guys is from Kansas City. I'm telling you something about Umar. Y'all big city dudes. This has happened. I've seen this happen with my own eyes. It's happened to me before. Big city cats really get to thinking they can go to places like Kansas City and, and Tennessee and Arkansas and flex. Let me tell you, big city cat something. You, 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 you fly. You, let me tell you. Let me just put it out there. Them country boys, think twice, three, four, five, six times before you head out of, you know, Philly, New York, Miami, Cali. There's been so many dudes coming out of big cities, coming out of these major states, going into the backwoods, backwater, the bump heads with these country boys and learn a hard lesson. So Dr. Umar. But anyway, he's claimed one of the guys was stealing his philosophies and he claimed that another guy was just being unduly critical. And another guy 
was, uh, and there was a woman on the list too. I forgot what her crime. Just being a woman is enough, I suppose. And another guy was trying to get his seminar shut down because uh, Dr. Umar is giving uh, parenting classes. <laughs> He's not, well, do as he say, not as he do. Does he have kids? Yes, two. They're not with him, though. Can you talk me to the mic? They're not with him, though. They're with him in spirit. They're, they're in his heart. What you mean, that. like share same address? No, I don't. I think not. But <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> anyway, do as he says. He ain't got time to be raising kids. He needs to get out here and tell us how to be real men. Oh, he because that lady whose mom owns that that vegan food right. Shop, that that's what I was going to get at. Oh. Exactly. Uh, Doctor Umar is out here giving people's government names and asking for addresses. And the time he was beefing and he gave out his uh, wife and mother's yes. business address and told his followers to go there and exp and have his wife and mother, his ex-wife or his baby mama, explain to him why he can't see his daughter. And that's just not a good thing because, I mean, have you ever interacted with any Umar's followers? Any of the uh, Uber alpha males? No. They're, they're not the most rational people. So not the kind of people you want to be trapped in an elevator with. <laughs> so uh, apparently one of uh, his targets has contacted the FBI. And uh, Umar and the person claims that the, they're investigating his terroristic threats. Hmm. And he kept saying... I'm I mean I'm gonna get in your ass I'm gonna get in your ass and it's just funny because I've been attacked by like homophobic alpha males and they say some of the most homoerotic things about you like one dude was bum fighting with me and he was like yeah you know and I was having an ideological disagreement over this Kobe stuff this dude was like Saint Kobe oh the guy who wanted you to fight Snoop no that's a different guy yeah these guys are weird this <laughs> other guy was mad that I didn't show proper reverence to for the loss of Kobe, that I was essentially, I mean, I have to say indifferent. Like, you know, uh, I was as invested in his life and death as he was in mine. I just, I've never seen the man play. I just hadn't, you know, but he, so I'm like, well, I think, you know, trying to talk about celebrity culture and parasocial relationships. And, you know, it, I think it is a, ideological, philosophical, even cultural debate. And then he jumps up and is like, yeah, that's why you sit down to pee. <laughs> that's actually much healthier for men to do. I'm just, but I mean, who minds? I mean, every single time, these alpha males, I guess when you're so, so manly, I mean, I, I call them Spartacan, you know. Every, all their insults a lot of times have to do with genitals. yeah. Men's generals and what they do, yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. It's very weird. And and I used to, you know, because I I was Umaring before Umar, and I used to think it was such, uh, huh? How were you Umaring before Umar? Oh, your pro blackness? No, I mean in terms of man is the head of the household. Yeah, I remember those days. The black family. I remember. And 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 the gay agenda destroy the black family. Remember. I used, <laughs> I used to have that knowledge. I used to have that knowledge. I used to be an alpha male. And shoot, I wish I could go back to my twenties and get back to that. that I've guy asked. Was crazy. I've uh, no, I wasn't. That All guy, I no, I've asked guy. the straight pride people. I said, if you can give me a secular 
rationality for your whole platform. If you can give me a rational sec, I'll go back and join them. I'd sign up for straight pride tomorrow. Whenever I ask them to explain their and, and, and lay out their positions, they just start accusing me of sitting down to pee. More genital stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm waiting on irritated genie Umar. If anybody, if they, if they can give, you know, I just go where, where, where the, where the analysis takes me. I'm not even biased. I tell the Christians, if you want me to stick my elbows behind my back and do them little steps in your tabernacle, <laughs> tabernacle, I'm willing to do it. If you can simply provide me with some evidence. And even if you don't have concrete evidence, if you can give me a valid argument, show me what I'm missing. That seems to enrage people. Like I've been trying to get valid arguments for ADOS. I've been trying to get valid arguments for not voting for Bernie. And I never hear them. I always hear non-arguments. Right. Which is frustrating. Before you get too far, also at some point, I'd like to show some love to people. Okay. We'll, we'll make time for that. I haven't gotten any calls to fix anybody's love life yet. People are just, it's because you don't want, you don't want to fix your life. Bro Diallo, fix my life. Only Valentine's Day. Don't call here with your, with your, with your, uh, love, love, your, you know, your entanglements, emotional <laughs> entanglements, any other day than today. Today is the only day. Uh, let me give the number one more time. 312-985. 7834. But I'm just say all that to say, um, yeah, I, I will join any movement. I have, I will be out there with, with, with the black Confederates. I, I just go where the rational, where the analysis takes me, you know, and I just try to be rational. And uh, I've just seen that it, it, it's better. It's more effective for us in, in the long and short run. So that's that's my only position. But, yeah, some people I never get upset. When people ask me, you know, explain your position, you know, and back it up. Now, I do get upset. That was a lie. Because I've, I've pretty much written it out. Mm. I've written it out word by word over and over again. So I, I think that if, if it's available, then if, if they can show me that they've put forth some effort to, to understand my position and then they want clarity or expansion, I'm happy to do it. But sometimes people will come out of nowhere and want you to just repeat and break down what you didn't broke down over and over again. So, you know, there, there, there's a position. And, yes, I'm very familiar with the Umar. And, uh, you know, I've read everything um, on the uh, straight black pride and the uh, alpha male ideology. That's like giving the bad kid in class all the attention. Well, okay, and then let's move on then. Let's let's move on before we get into today's topic, which is revolutionary culture and cultural revolution, which this is kind of related to. Let's talk about some some current news, uh, the uh, Bloomberg. And Bloomberg, uh, presidential candidate, former lifelong Republican, he went from Republican to independent and now he's a Democrat. And uh, he's buying niggas. I mean, if you got niggas for sale, get at Bloomberg because he he's got money to spend. He's buying up endorsements. He got the endorsement of our congressman, Bobby Rush. And the congressman you've worked with, uh, Danny K. Davis. That hurts. 
I, I wasn't able to verify that, but I know I, 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 I verified it. Danny K. Davis did. Danny K. Davis. That's right. Uh, several uh, prominent. I mean, the list is really, I'm not even exaggerating. The list is too long to read. It's an embarrassment. That all these black people are endorsing. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious that there's only one reason that they're endorsing. Even Obama has given an a adjacent, a tangential endorsement. Obama has been used in Bloomberg campaign. Now, Obama, now what he, what Bloomberg has done with Obama, Obama? <laughs> what Bloomberg has done with Obama is taking <laughs> previous footage oh. of, of Obama introducing him and their former interactions. So uh, there's one where um, Obama was president and he went to New York and he introduced Bloomberg as the mayor, a former mayor. And Bloomberg came up. So um, Obama is being used by Bloomberg, even though there's no live update endorsement because Obama has promised not to interfere in the primary. But could he do that without Obama's permission? Yeah. No, absolutely not. It would be political suicide for for him to use Obama. That's, that'd be like... Uh, yeah, no, I I believe that he's gotten permission. Or I'm, I'm sorry, he hasn't got. He's paid for permission because right. Bloomberg's worth suspect. You never know how much somebody that that's rich is worth, but it's estimated at thirty two billion dollars is his personal worth, and that's not even counting the overseas accounts and and all that. That's just cash on hand. So thirty two billion he could he could uh spend two billion on his campaign and and still you know not lose any sleep but anyway so obama from Obama trickling on down and Obama's still popular so anyway he has secured several because Biden is considered to be no longer a contender I'm not sure why Biden fell off because you know. He was the top candidate for the corporate Democrats, the neoliberal Democrats, and the black Democrats. He's still our guy. The blacks. Biden? No, Biden no longer has majority support. Oh, I thought it was like 27. No, Biden's number two. <gasps> uh, Bloomberg has, I think, 27 to 28. Biden is down to like 25. I know you're going to look at You know, you know, it, uh, the whole time... <laughs> Why don't you go marry the internet? Because every time I tell you something, <laughs> you run to the because damn internet. Go on, go on, do it. Go I'm ahead. You, go marry the fine, internet. You can't trust me. You oh. trust the internet more than me. Every time I say something, Bloomberg is trending ahead of Biden amongst black voters. That's what you get. That's what you get. That's what you get. <laughs> so Bloomberg is buying up black politicians. And I say, I went... And I didn't follow my congressman on YouTube, on YouTube. I didn't follow my congressman on Twitter, but I went and followed Bobby Rush and I at Bobby Rush to to call him out for supporting Bloomberg. And I intend to call his local office and to go on the 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 U.S. gov website for his D.C. and Washington office. And I think we need to start contacting our representatives. If you got a mayor a congressman, if you got a state legislator, mm -hmm. if you have any elected official that is endorsing, and many of them are, Bloomberg, contact them personally. 
Now, again, if you are so black, so radical, so revolutionary that you don't deal with politics, then, of course, this ain't for you. But for us who are still engaged in, in our local poli- political system, for we who do engage in politics, I think it's time to really start. Now, we have greater access to these politicians. You can go to us.gov mm-hmm. and put in your uh, area code, and they can tell you all of your federal politicians, all of your, your congressmen. They will give you your, your one of your two senators or both of your senators. You can go to your local state, Missouri.gov, Illinois.gov, and you can get all of your local elected officials, your aldermen and your uh, city council member, depending on how the setup is, uh, your state representatives, your mayor, of course. You can get that information, and they have social media. They have local office. You can call their, their, their local or regional offices and, and start calling them out. It, and the thing is, they pay attention to that. They do. It gets to them. They have staffers. They have underlings. I've worked on campaigns. You've worked on political campaigns between New York, uh, Kansas City, and here in Chicago. We've worked on political campaigns for candidates that, you know, couldn't pay us. <laughs> but I guess we believed in what they were trying to do. But it matters. I mean, they, they read. I mean, if, if you ever doubt that whether or not, I mean, they get plenty of letters of praise, but they really pay attention to the letters of their detractors. And right. It's important to send those and to let them know when you're unhappy. All right. And I've been here for at least three of Bobby Rush re-election campaigns. I've never voted for Bobby Rush. But he doesn't know that, <laughs> I guess, if he's listening. But now I called him and told him, I will never vote for you again. You just took away, he, but he's not listening. How do you know? Maybe he is. Yeah. I'm never voting for you again. You know, you'd be surprised if you listen. Yeah, I would be. I would be. Because sometimes, you know, sucking MCs. But anyway, I continue to digress. Um, so, of course, you and I support Bernie. You had a, you bumped head with an ADOS person. It's mind-numbing. Because, well, go on. I just don't understand it. Like, I, I, you've, I've heard you kind of, like, talking about ADOS and I had some peripheral knowledge of what that was, but the more that I come in contact with those folks that have that ideology, it is just utterly and completely nonsensical. There is nothing there. It is of no consequence whatsoever. The, 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 the pure nugget of it is wrong and on every level, and so there's not even anything from which to spring forth. There's no argument that can spring forth from there. And so to try to speak to someone who holds that as their core ideology is just frightening. ADOS is not an ideology, though. You want to know where ADOS came from? Yvette Cunningham. It didn't come from Yvette. You know, and there's a lot of infighting in ADOS, but it didn't come from Yvette. It didn't? It didn't come from a person. It's a bastard offspring of a previous movement. Which one? In the late 90s, early 2000s, you had the Prosperity Ministry. Mm. And the Prosperity Ministry was basically a byproduct of um, the, the, the boom economy, the boom-bust economy, mm-hmm. where black people were starting to— there was, there was always black people who had wealth. 
But there was this concept that it, within the Christian church that the pursuit of wealth was a worldly endeavor. Mm -hmm. So even though even though the church always had money and the church uh leaders always were some of the wealthiest people in the in the uh, community and you'll find that in the old old days back in the days in the black schools the only people that had cars were the child the child of the local black like city council member the the child of the local black doctor and dentist and the child of the local black preacher were the only black kids in black schools that drove to school mm -hmm. you know they had their own brand new cars so even though the church was always a source of wealth for for individuals they always played humble right. and it was this idea in the black community that the the more humble you were on earth the grander your rewards would be in heaven we learned that in slavery they said the more you suffer on earth the greater your because god loves the poor he loves the wretched jesus talked about the poor more than any other demographic in fact, that's the only people he spoke favorably of. Jesus said nothing favorable of the rich. He never said nothing favorable of the p powerful, always the downtrodden. He healed the lepers and he kicked it with prostitutes. Mm. Right. And he took he didn't go amongst the the elites to get his disciples or his his uh, 12 disciples. He went to some common laborers and Jesus himself was a carpenter. A so since the white man imposed Christianity on us. Mm -hmm. We always approach Christianity from the standpoint of of uh, there's there's different schools of Christianity. You got the Calvinist Christianity, which is the Christianity that believes that God demonstrates who's most blessed in a society by giving them worldly wealth. That's the Calvinistic that was birth kind of came from the divine right of kings. Like if you have money and power, then you are closer to God. And if you lack it, then you are further from God. Right. God doesn't like unclean things. God doesn't like sullied things and poor people are unclean and sullied so they're the furthest from God. Then you have the other Protestant, that was the Catholic Church. Remember the Catholic, but anyway there's a lot to it. But then the, when the Protestant Reformation came and then, anyway it's, it's sorry, but let me, let me just get to the major point. Anyway, around the late 90s, when Reaganomics and Bill Clinton came in and, and uh, he came up with the, with the uh, it's the economy stupid. Mm -hmm. Like everything started revolving around the accumulation of wealth. Greed is good. Black, the black church, which is a bastard offspring of the, of the white church, of course, as white people go into unregulated hypercapitalism, as they do away with reforms and welfare was demonized as, and, and poverty. So anyway, you had prosperity ministry. Mm -hmm. Instead of black people saying, if you live a humble life, your rewards will be doubled in heaven mm -hmm. to saying, if you live a good life, God will bless you right here and now get that paper. Yeah. And so between the late night, mid to late nineties, up until the early, the late 20 teens, you had the prosperity ministry. You remember, uh, Tyler Perry went to TD Jake's church mm -hmm. and gave him a million dollars. And that, I think that was about the peak of the, that was like five, six years ago. That was the peak of prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. And you had T.D. Jakes literally walking across his mansion and in, into his private estate and showing off all these luxury cars. And he opened up the trunk of one of the cars and it was full of cash. And that kind of turned people off. So people wanted that wealth, but it, it just made people uncomfortable. So right as prosperity ministry started to die, 
prosperity politics emerge. We're not going to get our money from the heaven. We're not going to secure the bag from heaven. We're going to secure the bag from the government, mm. which is really substitute white daddy, white God, white government. It's white master. These are all interchangeable things in the deep, deep recess psyche of the average indoctrinated person, especially African indoctrinated African. So just as prosperity ministry started to lose standing and started to face criticism, we have this new that from this foreign place, from this unseen, untouched, mystical place, this undefined place, riches will come. Wealth will will rain down on us. We just have to. Instead of praying to God, we have to protest to, to the government. But if you look at the essential elements of it, it's all the same. It's prosperity politics. I never thought of it that way, but I can see that. Yeah, so that's what ADOS is and saying, listen, the white man's fiat will solve our problems. Now, but the problem was there was, and here's another thing with that. There was already a, a longstanding reparations movement. But this, the initial reparations movement was not focused on mimicking white wealth. Because if you, the, the core tenets of the ADOS movement is for black people, because we're American citizens, we should jo- enjoy all the spoils of living in America. And the spoils of America, America is an empire that has stolen, based on stolen land, stolen labor, and it continues to steal wealth from around the world. That's why the U.S. military is all over the world. They're not there to protect or spread democracy. They're there to extract resources or facilitate the extractions of resources from the entire world back to the United States. And when, our, when U.S. corporations go overseas and hire people, they're not over there to create jobs. They're over there to exploit labor, to exploit non-existent environmental protection rules, to bring wealth back here and high levels of consumption. So the initial reparations movement from Incobra, Bill Grace, Samori, and all them cats, uh, Ajamu Webster, the initial uh, Dr. Conrad, yeah. that was an anti capitalist movement that was not the initial reparations movement was not to allow black people to elevate or enjoy the spoils of empire or become more efficient capitalists that movement was to subvert those structures of oppression Mm -hmm. black people were to take our resources from reparations to be made whole to be repaired so that we can better fight the systems and institutions of white domination and capitalism whereas the ados says no we don't want to be in opposition and we're not trying to secure reparations to better our struggle against the system we want to get reparations to become one and to become whole in the system in fact we want to be made white that's literally their idea and the way you're made white is by getting all the same resources as white people and now they ignore the fact that the, the white community even though the media gives them all that uh is disintegrating yeah. you know and you got and that's why I feel like they have to move away from Africanness. They scoot away, or at least one of the reasons why they scoot away from it, all things African is just focused on black people here. Yeah, I think you're being generous when you say scoot away. They had, they are in a life-death competition. They, in their in their worldview, there's only a, a limited amount of resources that white people have. And that black people in the United States are most worthy to receive those resources. Then African people in the Caribbean, African people in Central Latin America, African people from the continent. And they don't want African people from outside that don't hold a U.S. citizenship, that don't hold a Social Security card, 
They don't want them to be able to come here and have jobs. They don't want them to come here and go to school. They want to embrace the, the, the Trump concept of building border walls and keeping them out of our country. And I just don't understand how black people of the diaspora somehow garner more venom from them than others here who have done them greater harm. Like, I don't understand why that's not because, more reserved well, for white people here specifically. I mean, I never hear them spew venom on those on, on populations that have done us greater harm. It's mostly Africans of the diaspora. That's what's so telling to me about their true motives and intent. Well, the reason why is because they go to where the money is. They make appeals to people in power and money, and they try to shun people who lack power and money. So that that's why they, they, they... But why do the rank and file go along with that? Like, I can understand why the leaders would say that. I mean, they might be getting some money or property. The same way, the, why did the masses go along with prosperity gospel, even though the poverty rate amongst black people held the same, even though the, the personal well. and wealth holdings of the church went up and up and up? That's true. You know, go back and look at those old videos of Creflo Dollar. And Creflo Dollar would literally have people come and throw hundreds of thousands of dollars on the stage. And they believe that if you give to this prosperity gospel, God would increase your holdings. So you're supposed to give money mm. to the church and then you receive even more material blessings in return. So if you give your support to ADOS, th then the leaders are going to go and 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 mobilize and organize a campaign to get politicians to approve reparations and then you'll get your payback so yeah, but ados is trying to make like an intelligent argument they're trying to make a, a a a logic argument for their positions whereas the others were trying to make kind of emotional or faith-based ados arguments. is not making a logical argument because their argument breaks not. down every single time yeah. their their analysis of how black movements are structured there hasn't been one positive black movement in the united states that was not influenced by African activities overseas. Whether you talk about the Emancipation Proclamation and, black and, and, the, and the Civil War, the European empires and the European colonial powers were facing, were weakened. The allies of the United States were weakened and, weakened and subverted. And they said, we cannot sustain this slave economy. We have to move from, from direct enslavement to, to colonization to neocolonialism. So if not for the Haitian Revolution, if not for the Haitian Revolution, there wouldn't have been no black emancipation in the United States. You know, if not for the anti-colonial struggle in Africa, there would have been no civil rights movement or civil rights reform. There's never been uh, an exclusively national movement. Mm -hmm. And also, throughout, the, throughout slavery, their African people were chattel. We had no citizenship. So there were literally instances where a Virginia farmer would retire and he'd sell off his land and he'd take a whole swath of African enslaved Africans and ship them to the Caribbean. Or there'd be some Louisiana plantation owner whose father died and he got a great inheritance and he was able to triple his holding, his land holding and he needed more slaves. So he would go to the Caribbean or go to Panama and, or Brazil and bring up a swath of slaves. And then there were times where Africans, like in Liberia, as the Africans who fought on the side of the British in the Revolutionary War that were here enslaved, all moved to Nova Scotia. And in Nova Scotia, there's a huge population of ex-Africans 
who were enslaved in the United States that are now African Baptists in Nova Scotia. You got Liberia. There is no clear cut line of who is the black American or who has suffered under American slavery and who hasn't. Even if you want to end it in 1868 and with the Emancipation Proclamation, whoever was enslaved then, there are Africans that are from all over. There, This was a global system of trade, and they traded Africans like they did cattle and rum and, and, and molasses. They traded all around. So you can't really say, well, Africans, African-Americans suffered under the American slave trade. Right. You know, the United States was allied and enemies and back and forth with France, a slave state, Portugal, uh, of course, Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And and then you can also say, well, what if the Africans come up and say, well, there were movements in Africa where at black soldiers from the United States in the United States armed forces that came to our land and helped to facilitate colonization and enslavement and the theft of our resources. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to make this a regional thing, and it's crazy to, for an oppressed people to set up their movement based on borders drawn by their oppressors. That's just crazy. It's very crazy. You know, can you imagine if, like, in 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 the Zionists in, in, or the Jews in their fight against Nazism only said, well, we're only fighting for German Jews, you know, and, and we only want reparations for German Jews. Right, that's crazy. And to take it further and, and realize that this is an argument that's being made to determine who uh, one should or shouldn't vote for, specifically when the stakes are so high. I mean, they're always high, but at this moment, we're considering what we're up against now and what's possible. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even one of those like I'm afraid of Trump people. I'm really more interested in what's possible under a Bernie administration, and I just feel like to use ADOS sentiments and pseudo understandings to justify not voting for someone well if they're not for reparations i'm not voting for them which Mm. is insane to me and the 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 worst part that i heard was well if they don't have a black agenda (laughs) if they don't give us a black agenda then i don't want to vote for them as if somehow them uh, they they want an old white man to create a black agenda and then they and then when pressed they're like oh well, we have a black agenda i'm like work yeah well they just won't listen to it that that's rhetoric. Nobody goes to a politician and says, "Give us an agenda." And you look at other special interest groups or other demographics or communities. Nobody goes and says they have an agenda. Um, one another group, like let's look at the the Irish. There's a large population of Irish, and you have Irish cultural centers. You have Irish Heritage Day and St. Patrick's Day. And uh, there was a time where Ireland was under the direct occupation of Great Britain. And you had the Irish separatists and the Irish nationalists, and they had Sinn Féin and these radical political parties, and they were doing bombings. They were terrorists. We forget this history. And when the Irish were here in the United States, you had two factions in the United States, one that wanted to remain part of the British, the U.K., the United Kingdom, and one that wanted to be separate. The Irish Protestants wanted to work with the British. The Irish Catholics went against but whenever, if you go to areas that have large Irish populations, Boston and wherever the Irish are today, throughout the, this, the, the U.S., they never went to U.S. politicians and says, what is your agenda? What is the Irish agenda? They laid out their agenda in detail. And they didn't depend on a politician. They went to political parties, 
number one, and they went to legislative branches and they went to, to, to the executive branches. Same thing with the Zionists when they were trying to establish the nation of Israel. They're going about this all wrong. You know, I did a show on talking about the populations that received reparations mm -hmm. and those who haven't. And what are the common overlapping practices of populations that get reparations? Like, let's go back to the Jews, because whenever you say reparations, uh, the, the ADOS movement loves to talk about how the Jews get millions, got millions of dollars in reparations and getting millions more in reparations. And number one, that's a bad example, because if you read Norman Finkelstein's The Holocaust Industry, that money's not trickling down to the rank and file Jewish people. You know, Norman Finkelstein's family was killed in the Holocaust, and he said his few surviving elders, they received basically Social Security from the, Fed, from the German state. As German citizens, they got Social Security, but they never got a dime in Jewish reparations. So that money doesn't trickle down. But let's say you want to say, well, they still got power. They got all this power. You'll notice if you go to Israel right now, the Jew, the, the, the number one place where Jews were, were slaughtered, where all the, 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 the primary Holocaust did not take place in Germany. The nation that had the largest Jewish population at that time was, was uh, Poland. And many of the major uh, concentration camps and the slaughters took place in Poland. But let's just say if the Jews came to power, the Zionist leaders came to power and they said, we want reparation and Germany said, fine, we want to make you whole. They didn't say just pay off the Jews in Germany or the Jews in Poland, mm -hmm. British Jews, S Russian Jews, even Jews in America who fought against the Nazis were all eligible to benefit from the, the, the reparations movement. There was never just that you will not find, and even now, any Jew anywhere in the world can come to Israel and say, hey, I am a Jew, and you get automatic citizenship from anywhere in the world, even the Falasha Jews from Africa. Now, when, there are other problems there because of the way it's structured, but, you know, discrimination, racism, you know, they're going to do what they do. But you're doing almost the exact opposite to the step-by-step -step opposite of what the Jews did, whom they love to point to. They got reparations. What about us with the runabout gang? So if anything, the more successful reparations movement, when the Japanese got their reparations for internment, they lobbied and got what they didn't say, well, we're not going to work with the Jews and with the Japanese. This is for Japanese Americans, you know, or descendants of the camps. The Japanese government was instrumental of Japan. They went back to their father or motherland, was instrumental in negotiating reparations for the citizens here in the United States. And, it, and so even when you look at reparations movement for particular populations and the populations that have an international allies and that have a homeland that they can withdraw draw cultural, economic, political support from are more successful. Native Americans in the United States, this is their homeland. So they don't have anybody to really reach out to. And they have not received reparations. But now that more and more Indians are white people and more and more white people are identifying as Native Americans, I think the natives are going to get better shakes. But there's even been H.R. 40, there is a bill, there is a reparations bill that they won't bring to the floor. You know, so what they're fighting for, we already have. But anyway, yeah, this is really just prosperity. It's two things that makes it so popular. It's prosperity, politics, 
And since they many people can't really get with the prosperity gospel is losing steam, they just jump onto the next, you know, bag. And that's another thing. There's a lot of self-hatred amongst African people. And if you start a movement telling black people that they're separate or distant from Africa, you're more likely to just automatically have people that are going to want to embrace it. Every single movement, uh, Moors, you're not Africans, you're Moors, you're not uh, Africans, you're black Hebrews, you're not Africans, you're Native Americans, you are Africans, but you're separate and special and more deserving than those other Africans. In all of those movements always just are like herpes. They emerge, they erupt, and they stick around, they're very ugly, they do damage, but eventually they fade away. I think after the 2020 election campaign, the ADOS movement is going to fade away because a lot of right-wing Republicans are trying to erode black support for Democrats. And so saying, well, we're not going to vote for anybody that doesn't endorse reparations. I mean, that would be like the abortion movement. There, there is a large part of, of right-wing Christians that want to outlaw abortion. And you have all these white politicians that run on abortion. We're going to save the babies and going to stop the fetuses, blah, blah, blah. For they've been fighting since 1970. From 1970 up to 2020, they've been fighting to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now they finally got there. And many of the anti-abortion movement people had to vote for politicians that did not commit to overthrow abortion. Because they understood when you're trying to do a large societal transformation, you got to be pragmatic. You know? So if the Republican, if the if the evangelicals said we're not going to vote, what's your agenda for abortion? Because Trump is pro-abortion. Mm -hmm. Trump has been pro-abortion. Ronald Reagan, their beloved champion, Ronald Reagan passed the most progressive pro-abortion bill in any state government. In fact, abortion used to be a right-wing talking point because they didn't want to have to pay for babies of the poor and they wanted to sterilize. But if you study the evangelical movement, and how they maneuvered in politics and how they, you know, did a step by step movement by movement and how they started attacking adjacent. If we can't get abortion, let's try to push abstinence only. And then when we try to push abstinence only. Let's do uh, the faith based initiatives and started to penetrate and slowly get into power, get their people in power. And now you've got and then they said, OK, we, we can't we don't have any clout at the uh, federal government. Let's go back to the state. You don't see any of these pragmatic, intelligent, long view movements coming out of ADOS. No. None of them. No. So it's not it's 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 more of a uh, club than it is a political movement. And we, we throw that word movement around. Remember uh, Waka Flocka Flame? You didn't believe that was his name. And he did that hard in the paint. And back then everything was a movement. And if a, a, a rapper put out a hot single, he'd call it a movement. Oh, this is a movement y'all. So we the started throwing store is a movement. Huh? The Villa store. Right. Is a that, movement. that, that athletic store. It's a movement. Everything is called a movement, but there are certain elements to a movement. And I, I don't like talking ADOS cause every time I do, they get on, they, they're very prolific. You know, they have an illegitimate movement. So when it's attacked, they just throw word salads at you. The, the the hardest part about it, and then I'll just leave it alone, is that it's. I think that it's gobbling up people who might otherwise make more positive contributions in in a way that's actually meaningful for our people. I think it's taking people who have an interest in in making a change and doing a good, 
and derailing them. And yes. I think that's what these move these quote unquote movements often serve to do. I don't really see the Black Lives Matter movement up as much anymore, which was another quote unquote movement that uh, bothered hustle. me. And I did not like the rhetoric and language behind, but it was something. And that's that's kind of what they ride on. And the and the, it's always like, well, what are you doing? As if, you know, <laughs> any anything is better, th- whatever they're doing, no matter how horrible, is better than the nothing that you're doing. Even if you are doing something, I can accuse you of doing nothing, and that's enough. So anyway, I just feel like that's, that's a, for me, those are some of the loudest arguments I've heard against actual politics that can change the landscape that we fight on. It's not, I don't need anybody to come up with an agenda for me. I have an agenda. For my people, I, I, I certainly don't need, you know, a white politician to come up with an agenda. And it's not people. and it's not dependent on politics. The agenda advances whether Trump is reelected, Bernie gets in or or uh, old black people finally get Bloomberg in. I mean, do I want to fight for my people on a planet with clean air? Do I want to do it with plant based foods or do I want to do it eating rats and, you know, the right, climate they, apocalypse? Right. Like these are these. Are the, I mean, it's the fight is still there. The fight persists and no one but us can define it. And so trying to look outside of ourselves for that as opposed to just understanding that the best we can hope for is a shift in the political landscape, which might change our actual day-to-day conditions. Anything beyond that, they're just playing games. And it's, a, and it's an obvious political manipulation, and I hope that people can begin to see through it. Yeah, and like I said, I think just like you know, Black Lives Matter was really big in the uh, 2016 election. Remember they ran up and snatched the mic from Bernie? Yeah. And remember, Black Lives Matter was bum rushing all the Democratic politicians. I never saw Black Lives Matter bum rush Bernie. I mean, Trump. There, there's remember um, Bernie was giving a, tr- a stump speech and Black Lives Matter activists ran up there and snatched the microphone from him. And then his supporters wanted to take the microphone back. And he was like, nah, let them have their say. And Black Lives Matter was, oh, what is your position? Do black? And every Democratic politician would say, is it black lives or all lives? And some of them said all lives and like, damn it, that was the wrong question, regardless of what you're going to do. Right. And so after the, the 2016 election, they kind of faded. In right. fact, um, the, the, the alleged founders of Black Lives Matters have mo- gone on to lucrative careers within the Democratic Party. And, and the bright minds that were there really giving it their all because they thought this they might be some vehicle. They do. And it's, I mean, and, and I've seen a lot of bright minds captured. There's a young lady who's involved in ADOS right now who I think is a very bright sister, and I try to keep connections with her, but she's lost in the sauce. And it, who it that is? Me. Yeah, you know. can't say her name? I prefer not Do to. I know her? You've seen me go back and forth with her. I mean, uh, the young man, too. It's just it's too I much. know the dude. It's just they're, they're bright. I'm saying I he think He ain't bright. bright. Don't be like I that. I just can't think of his name right now. I'd say it. I Don't ain't protected. Maxwell. Don't be like that. He's ADOS and proud. Say it, it loud. It doesn't matter. I'm I don't ADOS think, and proud. But I think that he, I think that he has the potential to be a better asset. I think that he has the potential to do m- more. And I think that ADOS is swallowing up people like him and the young lady who otherwise might. Turn uh, their I don't think it's swallowing. Some of them people pinch their noses and jump in enthusiastically. And I ask, his baby mama white. Do his kids get half of what our kids get? Not both of them. Now I'm being petty. He's hey, he has the potential. I don't care. Yeah, I say I, I mean, I mean shoot, you, know. you come to publicly say you ADOS, then he ADOS. I mean, Amiri Baraka. What about him? I'm just saying. 
And and you know who else is sat on the stage with ADOS? Oh. Uh, what's his name with the gap tooth? I used to call him uh, Cornell West. No. Yeah. He's ADOS. Mm-hmm. No. Cornell. What they didn't got Cornell. He needed. He needed all of. The, he needed these fools to come and tell him what his political idea. Come on, Cornell West. Cornell West. I prefer West. to think of him. Wasn't he the guy in the Matrix? Yes. I prefer to think of him there. At the council in the matrix. You know, I used to call Cornell West Cornell West because you know he got, he got the the uh, <coughs> what's that? You used to go there, um, the warrior lawyer. Everybody, everybody betrayed me. I'm forgetting everything. <laughs> uh, the, the warrior lawyer. The movement when they used to have those weekly lectures. UAM. U- UAM United African Movement. Dang. Okay. Remember when we started going there? They were in Harlem. Remember, we go up there and yeah. vend, and you and Calidosis would be up there. That was fun. Before they moved to Harlem, you know why they were in Harlem? Why? They oh, got the ki- slave theater. They were at the slave theater. Yeah. The UAM used to have weekly lectures at the slave theater in Brooklyn, which would have been a lot easier for us to get to. We could have walked. We had to go all the way to 125th Street because, number one, and they used to have Amos Wilson, Steve Coakley. Professor Mackey, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, uh, Dr. Welsing, Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory, everybody would come speak free and open it to the public. And But they had one rule for their weekly lecture series. No white people. Blacks only. This is for us. Y'all got, they because they were like white folks got NYU. They got Columbia University. They got Brooklyn College. They got Downstate. They got all these universities. They got all these universities and they go get their scholarship. We got one black scholarship, one black intellectual space, and it's for us by us. And this was they didn't ask, they didn't tell. And ninety nine and it was never an issue because it was right down there in the hood, right off Nostrand Ave. It was in the heart of the hood when Brooklyn was still black. It's funny to be talking about Nostrand Ave. That the UAM, I credit that those lectures with a huge part of my like intellectual coming of age. Like those talks and having access to those minds and just framing so many different concepts for me right there at the source, that was invaluable. It's not been duplicated, and it was invaluable. Right, but when they were in Brooklyn, they invited Cornell West to speak because Cornell West was the co-chair of the, was it Harvard or Yale or Princeton, one of these Ivy League schools. He was the co-chair of the African Studies Department. And he wrote an article, him and Skip Gates wrote an article critical of what they call the demagogues of hate and pseudo-scholars attacking Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, um, Professor Mackey, saying that they're spewing hate and, you know, they're using history as a weapon. So they said, why don't you come to the community instead of sitting up in Harvard or wherever you at, sitting amongst white folks talking about black people, come to us and talk directly to us. If these people are lying, if, if, if Dr. Clark's scholarship is not true, come to us and get, present your position. And he accepted the invitation. Mm-hmm. But when he came there, and I think it was like 94, 93, mm-hmm. he came there with a white entourage. No. And they said, you're welcome to come in, but these white folks can't come in. No, it wasn't in an entourage, it was media. And he gave this big speech out front saying that I don't go to segregated spaces. Oh, And he stood out in front of the slave theater and gave this big speech about how black racism is no better than white racism and blah, 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 blah. And gave the and the media was there taking pictures 
and they bounced. Now he never went into like right up the street from there was a Hasidic Hasidic uh, campus, mm-hmm. whether in in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. He never busted in there and said, "Y'all got all Hasidic Jews in here. You ain't got no Christian. You ain't got no black people in here." I never seen him go to an exclusively white place and demand that uh, non-white people be invited. But he did this and. The owner of the slave theater, who was an old Negro judge, a wealthy, influential black man, evicted the UAM. Wow. It's like you bring in too After much the heat. Cornell West well, he was in danger of losing his business license because, you know, you can't segregate or discriminate oh, based on race. So that's, that's why we had to go all the way to Harlem that hurts, to hear Steve Coakley or to see Dick Gregory. When before it was right around the way, and then the slave just kind of disintegrated after that. It mm-hmm. just kind of yeah, that was it. They were keeping the whole that not just the slave, but if you notice around the slave theater, there was a whole economy around based around that active space. That was an anchor for a lot of other small black businesses and vendors. All that just went belly up, and that's when I started calling him Coonell West. Did since he ever? The 90s. Did he ever walk that back? Or I don't think so. Nobody remembers. Because then he couldn't be on the Matrix. And this oh, was this was kind of pre-internet. I think if he pulled some stuff like yeah, that now, people would, know. people would know. But this was a kind of a local thing, you know, like uh, the warrior lawyer attorney Alton Maddox. You know, he talked about it, but this was pre-internet. Yeah. You know, you had to like read the newspaper to get this stuff or be in the community, you know. So it wasn't common knowledge, but I ain't forgotten. But I would call him Coonell West, but then I stopped calling him Coonell West because he was going at Obama's neck. He was calling out Obama's atrocities and Obama's war crime. Him and uh, who's the other dude? Who was he with? Was it Dyson? No, no, I think Dyson stayed on uh, Obama's teat. Who was it? Was him and somebody else that were just going hard in the paint against Obama? I don't know. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, I'll call him Cornell West. I think this is somebody of his status. Uh, should do it. Oh, Tavis Smiley, thank you, Coy Bush. Thank you. It was Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. And, and so I started saying, you know, respect where respect is due because they are actually, you know, putting, being such prominent figures to crit. They were the most prominent figures to call out the war crimes. And they weren't just criticizing Obama for, oh, he didn't do nothing for black. They ran down his whole game. So I appreciated that. So I went back to calling him Cornell West. But now... That he's ADOSing. I mean, dude. I'd have to see that. Like, what part of it that he's supporting? Who cares? How, wait, how you don't old sit is on he? the stage. Hold on. How old is he? I don't know. Because if he's older than seventy-five, I'm giving a pass. Why? Why? Because he's an older gentleman. Mackie was in his eighties, sitting there spewing so much anti-white rhetoric. Mackie was a what? When you get old, you're supposed to be more militant. Wow. Dell Jones, to the day he died, Dell Jones was on his deathbed calling and cussing out white folks. Somebody could have talked. I think Cornell West felt alienated because of his Obama uh, criticisms, and I think he joined ADOS because he foolishly—you're off camera. Oh, he foolishly believed that that was his way back in. That that was a popular movement. That so, and he's a minister. He's you know he's a, a preacher. He's a preacher. I did not. So a lot of uh, preachers, a lot of former prosperity gospel preachers are getting right in line with this. Get the check. Cut the check. That's their thing. Cut the check. You know, so anyway. And then just a thing on the, the black, older black people voting for Bloomberg and younger black people being predominantly for, for Bernie. Um, 
And good job, Charlemagne the God, for saying that. We don't compliment Charlemagne the God on this show. Good job. He did. We don't do that. Yeah, we do. Because Charlemagne said that Bloomberg is a racist. And that's it. You're going you're gonna, to, you willing to overlook all of the. Charlemagne the God has influence. And so for him to say, for, for him to go on CNN and for them to ask him, uh, well, black people are voting predominantly for blind Biden and Bloomberg. What do you think about that? And he's like, not young black people. And, you know, if they want to do that, if they want to be that way, yeah, a lot of old people will do that. But I think black, young black people are going to outnumber them in this vote. And they're racist. And I mean, that alone is not it's not monumental. It's not epic. But for Charlemagne the God, kudos, because usually he doesn't necessarily go that route. So and if it has an impact and it can, it does stand to have an impact. I'm grateful. So good well, job, can Charlemagne I say this? When 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 Bloomberg was exposed to say that redlining that black people, that the government trying to give welfare to black people to advocate and to uh, support black people securing home ownership and and uh, the the federal uh, cessation and state local cessation of redlining is what caused the 2008 uh, housing market collapse. When he said that he sends all the police to the black neighborhood because that's where the crime is and his staunch support for stop and frisk, a lot of black people agree with him. I know. That's sad. That a lot of exposing their racism. And there's a really good book that I recommend everyone get called Locking Up Our Own because a lot of black people, especially older black people, will look at that and say, yeah, bust them heads. Uh, remember the Baltimore uh, Freddie Gray when his neck was broken mm -hmm. by black cops. Mm -hmm. There were three white cops and three black cops. When those cops came under indictment and they had to come before the judge to plead guilty or not guilty um, before the trial, but you know, just the preliminary stuff, the whole large swath of the black community showed up in support of those police. And when they were interviewed, they were saying, you don't understand, you don't live in the, in the hood like we do. If we didn't have these brutal cops, these kids would overrun the streets. And I think a portion of that is that they have been oriented in their struggle, if they were ever a part of it, they've been oriented for jobs and for inclusion. And that was the rhetoric of their era. And so when you think about like older black people or people with them old timey ass, oh, old timey politics, old timey, <laughs> I wish it would, mm. I think, well, I mean, I, it's new. I mean, I know You're it's still, nice. I know it's still there, but if you, if you specifically thinking about the older population, they protect and rail for jobs. Like that's the language that jobs and, and a lot of things, and, 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 you know, it's hard for them to pivot. And so I, even though I think it's p ridiculous, and even though I think it's extremely self-hating and harmful, even though I think it's menticidal on every level, I think that's why they would side with the cops more so than necessarily like agreeing with Bloomberg that we're the ones that do all the crime. Or maybe they think that too. Maybe I do give them too much credit. It's just hard to believe that we're that far gone sometimes. We that far gone. I know. We are that far gone. But anyway, the book is called Locking Up Our Own. I bought that book in Oakland. That, that's when we went to the uh, oh. Revolutionary Bookstore by uh, James Foreman. And he talked about how even at the height, this book is about the uh, mass incarceration, three strikes you're out, and the right wing turn and the get tough on crime uh, movement going back to the 80s and even the 70s. Remember those movies, Escape from New York and the hellscape of urban America? Mm -hmm. A lot of black, prominent blacks and rank and file black masses were, av were staunch advocates of, the, of, of uh, the prison industrial complex. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of black people today 
that agree more black people than who will admit it that's why these new negroes they know to keep their self-hate under wraps. do you think that comes from their actual perception and the things that they see in their neighborhood or is fed to them i think it comes from being birthed into and educated within and raised up within a system that is fundamentally anti-african anti-black right and many of us have embraced, and you can't embrace capitalism. You can't embrace Christianity. You can't embrace capitalism. We think, how do we think we can embrace all these elements, these n- neutral elements of the system, and not embrace the racist elements of the system? Right. So it seeps in, unless that's the whole thing about conscious. Consciousness is not just saying, hey, I can list all the black inventors. Right. You know, I know the day that the Emancipation was Proclamation was signed. The consciousness is being deliberate in how you structure your thoughts and constantly refining and purging and, and developing and building and dissecting and reconstructing. Consciousness is more of an internal thing. It's not about what you can show or demonstrate to other people. And if you're not doing that, You'll find yourself casually laughing at at the degradation of, of, of black people in comedy shows. You'll find yourself casually bobbing your head to, to uh, music that is dehumanizing black women. And you'll find yourself indirectly or passively supporting your own damn genocide. They don't make Jay-Z, people like Jay-Z and Oprah Winfrey billionaires. What are they being rewarded for? Rapping good? No. Having a good talk show? They didn't give Michael Jordan a billion dollars because he's the greatest basketball player in the world. How do I know? Look at all the great politicians that didn't toe the ideological line. Right. Look what they did to Muhammad Ali. So if you're, you could be the greatest rapper, the greatest talk show host, the greatest ball chaser, you could even be a great scholar. But you're not going to get in Harvard unless you have the ideological undertone. So that means... That a lot of black people, they understood, Europeans understood quite early on. In fact, it was the Catholic Church that invented propaganda. Mm -hmm. But they have so greatly refined their process of psychological warfare, mass manipulation, mass indoctrination. They have perfected it. We look at how Europeans improve their guns, improve they go from a cannon to a nuclear weapon. You know, they go from a musket to these laser-guided Uh, depleted uranium shell machine guns you know they go from literally those those roman ships that they had to roll to aircraft carriers we understand how europeans have improved their warfare technology but we very seldom look at their non-physical the the psychological elements and how they have so advanced that so yes there are a lot of black people that support mass incarceration uh, Bloomberg being exposed as an overt racist will not lose him a significant amount of black support. Right. Do you think our Congressman Bobby Rush, now that Bloomberg is talking about he supported redlining, he supports stop and frisk, he said that black people are the source of criminality in America, you think uh, Bobby Rush is going to come out and denounce him? I don't think Bobby Or Rush withdraw will. his endorsement? I don't think Bobby Rush will, but I know what, what might happen. You, you know, we might be able to uh, start to see some of the young activists with some guidance turn the tide, make him pay for that decision, and punish him politically. There's, there's, some, there's some people running against him this time, and hopefully, no matter some. who it is, no matter who gets in against him, you, we, he needs to be punished for this decision and others. So, I mean, there's, and that's there's the a black chance. agenda. That's the black agenda. 
And there's no system for holding black politicians to account. But you're talking about you begging white politicians That's for an agenda. That's the problem. That's the problem. I mean, it, they just, they're playing games. <laughs> you're, you're playing games like the 400 pound life you're playing games you're playing political games Doctor now. anyway locking up our own uh by james foreman i haven't finished the text but i mean it's really talks and even it made me think about if you read black power by uh charles hampton and kwame uh Ture, when they said they were organizing down south uh organizing they came from 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 uh the uh, DMV from DC to organize down south and they had to tell the young organizers in the deep south not to tell their parents about their movements mm. they said don't tell your parents about what we're planning when they would have the meetings of the young people and this is the birth you know the black power movement how they went from we shall overcome to black power um, Kwame Ture said you know a lot of the young people would say, Mom, I'm going out. We're going to protest. We're going to do this sit-in. We're going to have this meeting because they knew, hey, we, we in antebellum South in the 50s and 60s, I might not make it home. Right. So I want my mama, I want my grandma, I want my uncles to know where I am and what I'm doing in case they have to come claim my body. If I don't come back home, they'll know where to start the search. Mm -hmm. They'll know which swamps to look for, look mm -hmm. for my body in or what trees to look for my body on. And, and he said, you know, the sheriff or the local white minister will come and say, oh, Miss Susie, we've been good to you. You know, I've let you do my family laundry for the last 40 years. I've let you wash my drawers, and have I not always took care of you? And she said, yes, sir. He's like, now, where was your boy last night? Who's he associating with? What did he tell you? And they found out that the old black people were ratting out the young black people. I can believe And that. had loyalty. And many people remember Dell Jones. Yeah. Said his own father, when Dell Jones, I mean, he was an old man, but when he was in his 20s and teens and they were in the streets, black power fighting, you know. And he said, black, Dad, we're black and we're beautiful. And he's like, nah, you're dark and you're ignorant. Shut up all that black mess. Starting trouble. So, yeah, there is a, you know, we ain't here by design. You know, oppression is always a dance. And I say black people are not to blame for this. We're not to blame for this condition, but we're responsible to fix it. It's our responsibility to fix it. It's not our fault. It was created. So whenever you see these minor divergence of black people, older black people mainly, establishment Democrats saying still, after all the revelations, and forget, look what he did to New York. You were in New York. We were in New York under the Bloomberg administration and the Giuliani. I actually, and that's that's the thing about Bloomberg that people don't really realize, because I was a teacher, I was a school teacher in Brooklyn when the administration changed, and he completely upended uh, the process of becoming a teacher, who got to teach, what were you were allowed to teach, curriculum. He dismantled all of the school districts and put everything under one umbrella, and then put this woman in charge of it who had a, an egregious history and started saying crazy things about black folks. Um, and she only lasted 95 days, and he kept on replacing her with a myriad of others that were just um, horrible. But I was there, and I was a teacher, and I had to leave. I had to stop teaching. I mean, I stopped teaching for a myriad of reasons, but one of the main reasons was because his process um, of education was untenable. And so these are just real-world examples of how this man is unfit to rule, and yet... He's buying the nomination, and, and the only way that he can get it is if black people help. The only way that he can have it 
is if black people hand it to him as we handed it to Hillary Clinton and we ought to feel ashamed. And those that didn't vote or handed it to Clinton who have anything slick to say about Trump really need to check themselves out because you're the reason. All right. Okay. And then, and just to speak to, uh, I saw on the feed, Adolfo said that the Jews invite Cornell West to talk. And yeah, they did invite him more or less because he co-wrote a book with a very prominent Jewish uh, scholar by the name of uh, Michael Lerner. And they wrote a book literally called Jews and Blacks. You know, the book is literally called Jews and Blacks. So yes, he did have a foot in that community with those folks, you know, but he, he never called them out like he called out the black militants. I've never heard him call out, even though he's written two books, if I'm if I'm correct, on on black and Jews or Jewish relationships. And he's always there. He has been invited out to speak before uh, Jewish populations and uh, other left wing liberal. And I've never heard him call them out and, and go and, and insult his host the way he did with UAM. And you can just search Con- Cornell West lecture and he's lectured all over the world. And you maybe better look into it more than me. Show me where he's walked into the home of his host and insulted his host and tried to violate the practices of his host. So moving on. It's Valentine's Day. We don't celebrate Valentine's Day. No. Why don't you celebrate Valentine's Day? I don't like being I don't like these kinds of false holidays um, set up to create ways you know give us permission to do certain things and control behaviors and silo behaviors into certain days and moments there's also sweetest day which is kind of like a dime store valentine's day but there's all of these moments that are siloed with, and, and everybody just plays along oh it's valentine's day love and hearts oh it's, you know I, I don't i don't really i'm not against not black folks that. going along with 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 holidays i it, mean it, if you want to right you don't have to boycott it I'm just not that into it. But, I mean, I might choose pink icing for my cupcakes tonight as opposed to, okay. <laughs> you know. I, my Right. My conditioning I let you make the call on Valentine's Day. I let you, if you want to do it, And what's do my it. call? Usually. You said you don't care nothing about that. But I, I, I sometimes, I, I have my, I have my. You know, and then I have my sons. My son asked me, my youngest son asked me, Mom, what are we doing for Valentine's Day? Because they don't really quite understand. You know, they see different things going up in Target. <laughs> They're like, are we supposed to? And, 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 and we, we, we confuse them. We do. Like, a random 4th of July, <laughs> we'll go out and get some bottle rockets. <laughs> so we ain't, don't try to blame it on Target. It's true. And we put together a, <laughs> Like, what's we, that? This is the bottle rocket. Come here, boy. Let me show you something. gingerbread house. <laughs> right. You put the, you got that free, gin, because, only because it's free. Yeah. You got that free gingerbread. I'm going to buy another gingerbread <laughs> house. So that should, that was, oh, it's not vegan. That was fine. So we could get a vegan one. You know how many gumdrops Sekou picked off of that thing and ate? Not after it was put together. I saw. Okay. All I'm saying is we confuse them. Wow. But to me, it's like it don't mean nothing. It's like when we were playing Mortal Kombat and Seiko was like, I'm going to pray to Jesus to help me. And he said, uh, Jesus, when he felt he was going to lose. Oh, no, Monopoly. He prays during Monopoly. He prays during Monopoly. You know, it's really bad because our sons feel some kind of way because Diallo told them that <laughs> he and I are saved <laughs> because we've been Only according tied. to the doctrine. <laughs> but they still feel like we have a get-out-of-jail-free card. If it's true. <laughs> no, I didn't write the damn And then Diallo, Aroma was like, well, I'm going to be baptized then. And then Diallo's like, well, no, because you have to really believe it. <laughs> now you don't really believe well, it. Well, the, the, in, in, in my sect... 
in my Baptist sect, Memorial Covenant Memorial Baptist Church, it's saying that God, once you accept Jesus, that no one that comes into God's light can ever exit it because God's influence is perfect and God would know ahead of time. So God knows whether you're sincere or not. So once you've come in under the grace of God, there's nothing, literally nothing you can do to exit the grace of God. So if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are washed in the waters, then you can't. That's my grandmother tell me that all the time. You you talk all that, hey, you talk all that mess, but you know you saved. That's the thing, knowing that you're saved. I think my mother baptized them or sprinkled them when they were little. Right. So that counts for something. But anyway, none of it matters. The correct answer was Mormon. Right, the Mormon church Mormon. is actually. I, real talk, son. If all that heaven stuff was real, the Mormons get their own planet. Do they? Yes. You don't get a mansion. You get a whole freaking planet that you have God's superpowers over. You get to be Neo in your own matrix. Like snapping. Yes. In wow. fact, some Mormon like sects place. believe that planet Earth is nothing more than a Mormon from another dimension that we he is our God. Our God is a former Mormon from another planet. Oh, individuals get a whole yes, planet. Yes, men. Men. Oh. But I'd let you, you could totally come on my planet. But there'd be other girls there. Yeah, I mean, hell, I'm a God. I can't just, you know, I gotta, I, I gotta love all my children. <laughs> but you could, you can come to my no, planet. No, I'm not gonna do you that. You could come and I'd probably Is like, there a girl I'd let you rule like my New Jersey on Is my planet. Is there religion? Where we have it like going on? Oh, let me think. Well, Shiva, you get to, like if you go to, the, to uh, Hinduism, you get to bring about the end of the world. No, but religion no. is just really, it's really bad for women. It's it's just really, I mean, the rituals, even if you become a high priestess, Vodun is good for women. Yeah, it is. Yes, it you, is. Can, you can become a Vodun Super priestess. Powerful. You know, I've always, I've always really looked up to, what was her name, Nunu from Sankofa? Yes, She's yes, yes, you, you can go mine. do Vodun, Aoife. I've always seen myself as a Yoruba, Aoife, but I mean, once you, leave, once you exit the, 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 the 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 like the animus um primitive religions it gets really bad like buddhism is really bad for women hindu you just you can't no, I'm, win I'm stick with african i'm i go i choose that okay i choose well that. i if it was all real i would straight up be a mormon i'd be sitting here right now with that funny underwear oh man i man you get your own planet to govern but you know my planet uh, you're black huh you're black no they changed that in 1974 they changed that. They said that black people have souls. Yeah, but and you're black not going to get as no, big a planet. I don't need a bigger planet. planet. I'm not greedy. No, but the no, no don't lie on the Mormons. They only, up in the 1974, a revelation came down from a prophet and said that black people genuinely do have souls, and we will go on to, to, to the afterlife in, in, in paradise, and we can be made whole. Yeah, so okay. we are no longer. And they said that the, the edict that dark skin is no longer considered the mark of Cain. Who decided? Huh? Who decided? The prophet. Okay. You know, the, the, the church has living prophets. You know, like how the, the Buddhists have the Buddha, they have uh, the Dalai Lama in, in uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Um, Mormons have living prophets that, that nobody can know who they are, but they, they are people within the Mormon church that, do, that receive direct revelations from God. Very well. So like they're they're like literally that's why Mormons are growing so aggressively because they they can update and remix their Bible on. Imagine if Jesus was still here and just giving new rules every day. 
That's what the Mormons, they literally have God's chosen, hand-picked prophet representative telling them how to update their book and what are the new rules every other, whenever they want. Whenever they want to do it. So, remember when Mormons What's were... What do Scientologists get? In the afterlife? Yeah. Uh, they, they, it's kind of weird. They believe that we are possessed by alien spirits. And so... It kind of returns to this consciousness, your death, your alien cosmic consciousness will turn and reunite with the whole of the cosmic consciousness. But you have to unburden that soul. That's why they do the 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 auditing when they hook you up to that machine and they make you go through all your memories. Mm -hmm. They believe in past lives and a form of reincarnation or repossession, too. But the ultimate nirvana or a high state for them is to return to the communal consciousness so i don't really get anything what do you i mean can you imagine just your ghostly ethereal being in a giant cosmic soup with all the other trillions of ghostly ethereal beings how, how warm and fuzzy and comfortable no i'd rather be and the stimulating that would be in your mansion or you would totally three. not be number three and i tell you i'd give you all of new jersey hell i give you the whole east coast and but you know i get africa and 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 the tropical regions I'm telling you, on my Mormon pl God planet, you'd lose it'd be, it. a, it'd you'd be, lose it'd be revolutionary. You'd lose it because of hedonism. <laughs> you'd lose it. No, no. Once you, once you ascend to Godhood, you get your own reality to remake. You become God unto yourself. Why that is the best freaking heaven. That's a good heaven. Why didn't anybody call in for love or war? I guess everybody's doing all right. Can I? I have, I have some. Uh, I have like three. Uh, I'm not going to name names. I have, th and you don't either. I have three um, match matches that I'm trying to make, so maybe everybody can just send positive thoughts and energy to my matchmaking. I could say endeavors. names there too. You, but I hope Bro you Diallo won't. tell it. I hope that's Q4 kind of like Radio AM1680. Matchmaking and putting people together is really bad. No, it's not. Because you get the praise for bringing them together, but you get the blame. Why you bring my that man into my life? My you know, and what is mother, that 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 obsession? My friend's mother had the ultimate match. She put together the best friend of her son with the best friend of her new daughter-in-law, and she put them together during their engagement. And he proposed to that girl, and now they're planning a wedding, and it's all because of her. And I want that glory. But you, you're bad at it. I'm so good at it. I just feel like they just don't know how good at it I am. And that's why they don't do what I tell them to do. I don't just look. I don't just look. This is this is more like arrangement. It's not just matchmaking because I look at the political ideologies. I look at you know their 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 preferences and what I know about them as human beings. You're bad at putting people together, and I'm not going to say about the catastrophes that you've committed. But that has nothing to do with that today. couple in Kansas so City you tried to put to do, together. That has nothing to do with today. And so if we if you're out there. And you know that I've been trying to put you together. Today's the day to give it I a try. I thought you said you don't what? recognize today as a special <laughs> day for love. You know, my secret to life is I only do stuff that I'm good at. All I do is pan-African analysis and Xbox. I'm good. That's just all I you, do. You can't just say you're not good at matchmaking because you get sick of it or because you're annoyed You're by not it. good at it because you've never created a... But I, I think it's messing with listen. people's lives. I stay out There's of people's so business. There's so many former students of mine. Had they listened to me, they'd be living very happy lives right now. Instead of instead of making the horrible decision, I don't see how you get invested. You know, we gotta liberate people and then let them go. If you you know just 
my my thing is liberating people. You're trying to bind people. If they have, you trying to hold people if you, down. If you were, I, if you were like maybe, you know, Erica did make this suggestion, and you know, it is the 14th, and there are lots of interesting things going on for new couples today. Okay. Maybe I just listen to Erica today. If you're out there and you know that I've tried to match make you since nobody's calling match me, there was is, time is for that. Wiggity wiggy. You could just be like, mm, maybe I'll, maybe that's all. So I just want to throw that out and. You know, I don't know if it's time for me to to say anything. Well, we're supposed to be talking about revolutionary culture and cultural revolution. Okay. But go ahead. No, do, do, do you. That. No. Do you. Well, I was just thinking that I, but I, I had to close my laptop, so I have to do it another time because my laptop died. But when we were putting together um, Patreon gifts uh, over this past week, and uh, I noticed that there are people who really have been strong supporters, and I was going to say your name, but I can't now because my laptop died but I will next week um, I just noticed that there are people who have been supporting this show for a very very long time and that is just I just wanted to show some love because without you guys that have just been there consistently uh, year over year I didn't even realize there were folks like that on there just year over year consistently contributing I wanted to show them some love too so next week I'll, I'll say names and show off some of the, the gifts that we sent out but I'm really, really um, just grateful, and I wanted to show some love for those people who have just been consistently running in the background supporting the show. And, and to the, if you will go to DialoKenyatta.com or Patreon slash DialoKenyatta.com, you will see that there are updates, that Diallo Kenyatta is current, fully updated, um, and we've got some new things coming. Um, Patreon is like 90% updated and within uh, this week all of the Patreon gifts all of the, the buttons, the media and some new uh, tiers are going to be up so we're getting it together yeah. because again as I said you know things aren't the support isn't where we need it to be but before I can get on people about not doing what I need them to do I have to do everything I can do so let's see if people can match my stride it's you actually know. really fun to put together those those gifts and to and to just look at, at at people's comments and and the way that they use the archives and stuff like that. I, I'm just grateful. I didn't really know. I didn't really understand the interaction until we got in to, to put out those gifts and taking a look at that really was encouraging. And so I'm just super super grateful. We can see you. We we know who you are. We know what your contributions have been. And it's just really humbling to see. Um, you know, we definitely need more support, but it's humbling to see how consistent some have been. And I, I just, it's, yeah. All right. So can we, okay, now back to the show. Again, we don't really have time to cover Wow, that seems topic. to be your general line every week. I mean, if you hadn't mm -hmm. gone on the rant trying to. Oh, you went on an ADOS journey. I hate, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like. Voyage. Oh, I, I did want to share something being that it, it's St. Valentine's Day. If I can find the quote about what love is. Because, uh. I should have found it before last night, but I, I you know that song, I Want to Know What Love Is? I know. Well, uh, Michael Bradley kind of broke down what love was as we, oh, he doesn't have a uh, index. But anyway, I wanted to talk about what he said love is. I, I could paraphrase it, but I figured I'd take it straight from the, horse's mouth. You want me to find it? Uh, it's, it's high lit. That's why I was supposed to find it. But anyway, if you want 312-985 if you want 
relationship advice, love advice, or if you're willing to let uh, Dr. Mingo pimp you out. Don't say it like that. What is it called That's when you ridiculous. when you put somebody on a on a platter and I serve them up curate, to somebody else? I only curate relationships for people that I have some knowledge about. You take a person and maneuver them into an intimate relationship with another person. That's pimping. That's stupid. That's not near near. I know it's stupid, but you won't stop. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you want if you if you want to be chained to somebody, obligated to somebody, sit across from somebody in a bed while they clip their toenails. Dr. Mingo has a whole list of single men and single women that she has vetted. That's not what I said. You know I said I have three on the burner and you know who you are and if you feel in if you're feeling the Valentine Saint Valentine spirit. And you're ready to get out on that stroll. Why do you say things Dr. like that? Dr. Mingo. I don't, I, don't, I don't sanction any of the... Dr. Longstick. I'm, wow. Dr. Slick. <laughs> you, wow. You get, what? That's I, what it looks like to I'm me. I'm scoot over here. I literally want to like distance myself. That's what it looks like to me. I don't be trying to put people you together. Don't do it. You don't, you're not interested in anything at all. You don't even want to say hello. <laughs> people I don't, I don't get in people's business. I'm about the collective. I'm a socialist. I'm about... The collective. I ain't, I ain't about. Well, I'm not gonna find this quote on That's love. Not You're not gonna. I think I highlighted it. But anyway, I have to talk about this because. Did Aromo do this? No. Yeah, Aromo did that when he was a baby. Oh, Half my books are jacked up Look like that. Look at what our son did. Terrible thing. That was like ten years ago. Oh More than God. ten years, like twelve years ago, when he was a baby. You don't see how he's damaged so much. I mean, but it's funny how the kids don't ever touch your stuff. Like, you're sacred. Uh, they love you more. I, okay, I don't mind that. You know, you carry that burden. You know, I'm a Umar alpha male. They're going to take care of their mama. Theoretically. Anyway, today's show is almost <laughs> over, and we haven't come close. I wanted to talk about um, revolutionary culture. Because I think the, the the word culture is thrown around a lot. People talk about, you know, black culture or African culture. And I get a lot of questions on my blog about culture. And I don't think we really understand what culture is and what a whole separate revolutionary culture. And in fact, revolutionary culture is almost an anathema to culture. It functions much differently than culture. Because culture unto itself is created to sustain a people. Culture is inherently conservative. Culture is essentially the practices, the customs, the the materials that are made, that are secured to the thought processes, the intellectual, cultural, ethereal, belief systems, all of those things that are meant, that converge to sustain a people. That's what culture is. Your culture is that which is is the culmination of things that sustain you. And when you're looking for a revolution, you're literally rebelling against the very system that is sustaining you. You're not going to find it. I don't want you to. I'll read it Monday. I'm always a day late and a dollar short. But, so the system 
that is the contradiction that we face. The very system that provides us with jobs, income, housing, security, is the very system that we have to mobilize to fight against. The systems of oppression are also systems that sustain people. Even in a concentration camp, the very people that are killing you are sustaining you. The, the Jews in the concentration camps were dependent on the Nazi infrastructure to bring them whatever meager food and bread, to provide them with cots and shelter and things of that nature. So when you come under oppression, the oppressor not only exploits you, the oppressor also removes all of your means of sustaining and tending to your own interests and, and, and needs and replaces that. So your oppressor also becomes your sustainer. In the era of slavery, Africans were dependent on the slave master. Not because we were incapable, but because we were no longer allowed to defend for ourselves or build for ourselves. So when you get into an a, a culture that is encased within a system of oppression, you begin to have this internal contradiction. So you have a lot of black people that become radical and revolutionary and they advocate, they say, don't vote because the, the, you're, you're validating the system or they ain't going to do nothing for us. So at the same time, the system is oppressing us. The system is where we can go for housing vouchers, food stamps, the system is what we depend on to inspect the meat, inspect the milk, and all these other toxic foods that we eat to make sure that they're not toxic. The system is what, when you want to start a black business to build up the black community, you got to go to the government for a business license. Depending on, I don't care if it's a truck driving, you got to get your CDL, you got to get your insurance, and you got to get a business license. If you want to start a black restaurant, I don't care if you want to serve healthy, organic food. You got to go to the health department and take the health department class and you got to follow the health department manual and you got to open up your facilities for the government inspector. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, we rebel against the system. We are still embedded and have to navigate the system. And in many ways, we are dependent on the system. And a lot of people that scream, let's tear the system down. Umar, since we started with him, he's a good example. Umar has been advocating for over a decade all over the country. We got to bring the system down. He says, don't vote. He says, don't send your city to their school. Screw their system. And the moment the system's like, oh, we're going to remove your validation. We're going to take your license. He scrambled. He threw on a suit. He got a haircut, took a bath and showed up at the state board to fight for his official documentation. So that is the contradiction. So. What I want to discuss is how we can navigate that. How can we, because a lot of times pro-black, revolutionary, conscious black people get called, accused of being pro-poverty, of being anti-success, of being accused of hating on people that get theirs and do this and do that. So is there a way to have a level of stability, security in the very system that you're trying to tear down? Is it possible to engage in revolution and still sustain yourself in that time of revolution or did the moment so because some people think if you're a revolutionary then why aren't you out shooting right. why don't you have a bomb strapped to your back you know and we can go throughout throughout and then it's another level of contradiction because as Kwame Ture explains there's a difference between oppression and exploitation mm -hmm. meaning that White people that come under white oppression 
they are not oppressed. They are exploited. And the difference, he said, is when the when the Irish were oppressed by the British. Even though the Irish spoke like kind of this Gaelic language, they basically had the same. They were both Christian, even though some were Protestant, some were were Catholic. They're both Christian. They're both white. They're both from the same geographical region. They have a lot of overlapping. They have a fundamental, a lot of cultural overlaps, dietary. When the Italians, remember when Italians came to America, they were called niggas. They didn't like Italians. And there would be signs all over America. No blacks, no Negroes, no Jews, no Italians, no Irish, no Catholics. And so there were several white, like right now today in throughout Europe, the Roma people who are white. If you saw a Roma person walking down the street, you'd be like, look at that white dude. But the Roma people are live under discriminatory and segregated, traditional segregated. In fact, if you go speak to a Yugoslavian or a Ukrainian or even a, a Brit or a German and you ask them about the Roma people and they will be like, oh, they are lazy. All they do is want to commit crimes. They have too many kids. And it will be I, almost all the stereotypes against black people. They have identical to Roma. But so there are several white populations that are historically or currently or in the past that came under discrimination, oppression, even enslavement. But Kwame Ture said those because they are oppressed within their own culture and by their own people, they do not have to dismantle the culture or destroy the system in order to get liberation. They can get free through reforms. So the Irish came here and the Irish was left worth less than a black man. And, and it used to be a time where dock working was one of the most dangerous jobs you can do. And they would get Irish immigrants to do the jobs that were too dangerous for black people to do because an Irish life was worth less than a black life. And so they would have the, the, the Irish people do the industrial work that was too dangerous for African slaves. But today, Irish people are fully integrated into the system. We've had an Irish president before, or a Catholic president, before we had a black president. And with that integration, now the Irish, you know, the coppers, remember they would wear the cop and the paddy wagon for the paddies used to be an offensive word for Irish. The Irish became the cops. They became fully integrated. And remember, the Irish used to be gangbangers and, and whiskey drug dealers. And whiskey was a drug during Prohibition. The Jewish uh, uh, um, um, gangs, there were several Jewish gangs, Italian gangs. So these people were able to get over their status as second class, third class citizens as oppressed or excluded groups without having a larger social or cultural revolution because they were oppressed within their own culture. So if African people became under a system of oppression of other African people, we could conduct, we wouldn't have to carry out a revolution to obliterate the entire system. We just have to change our stance within the system. But when you come under oppression from an alien culture, and an alien culture contaminates and superimposes its culture onto your culture by either obliterating your culture or fully contaminating your culture. You can't reform, vote. You can't even get money. In fact, if you look at uh, the Kevin Hart series on, on Netflix, I didn't watch the Kevin Hart series, but I watched the previews. And if you listen to Kevin Hart in interviews or any wealthy, prominent, successful black person from any industry, it doesn't just have to be entertainment. 
I've talked to black scholars, black presidents of universities, multimillionaire black businessmen, and they always have this certain tone to their language about stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. And, and, and Kevin Hart's a good example because he's one of the most well-known black men in the world. But they talk about, oh, you, you got to, you got to, remember he was, him and he was bumping hairs with Cat Williams. Yeah. And he was like, I show up on time. I do what I need to do. I do as I'm told. And they tell us the whole reason you want to get money is so that can't nobody tell you what to do. Right. No. But the wealthy black people are some of the most insecure, psychologically insecure, unstable, fearful population. Because they got a lot more to lose. They have a lot further to fall. That's true. So even you cannot integrate into this system. Even Oprah Winfrey talks about, she, she recounts about how she, in her own community, how she's isolated and ostracized. So, and, you know, they had black history commercials. We saw that commercial where that black woman, she's a, a manufacturer, a black-owned business, mm-hmm. and she got her products and goods into Target, oh or was gosh. it Walmart? It was Target. And she said, you know, it's important for me to have my products in this business because for the next black person coming along, for the next little black girl that comes along. And I'm like, it's 2020. I thought Madam C.J. Walker did that. So So how long are we going to be paving the way? How long do we use this rhetoric of opportunity, of them granting us chances, of them granting us a space? And especially this month, the Internet is lousy with first black. I mean, they're really gripping. The first black woman to open a, a car dealership. The first black woman to open a car dealership on the Magnificent Mother. I mean, they, they've got all of the, They just keep making the categories ever increasingly smaller so that there can be this perpetual list of first. And it's like, when, right. do, you, when do you cut that out? Well, that brings in this, this concept that black people are always playing catch-up. Yeah, black yeah. people are always vulnerable and dependent. Black people have to always demonstrate our worthiness. And and so it's never going to stop. You got Madam C.J. Walker paved the way for black women. You got black, wealthy black women in 2020 talking about they have to pave the way. And the only reason you have to pave the way is two reasons. There is no way right. or the way is obstructed. Right. And if the way, if there hasn't been a way since, if you got a black woman in Target in 2020 saying, I got my products in Target. And the reason it's important for me to have my products in Target, because the next black girl, I'm paving the way. Now, the way should have already, number one, we established the way. We had the first markets, the first civilization, all that. So who's obstructing the way? Or when the way was paved 100 years ago, who wiped it out? And how do we stop having to go through this recycle of rebuilding? And now black people are going back to look at these statistics about wealth. And they found that for black people, it would take over 200 years for black people to reach economic parity for white people with current economic trends. And that's only if white people don't earn another dollar, white people stay fixed and stagnant in their current status, and black people have no, nothing but the current rate of steady progress. It could be 200 years, which is absurd because I ask any wealthy population of people, what wealthy population of people came to a foreign system and elevated within that system? Right. The white men surely didn't come in and elevate in any system. Did they go to Australia and, 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 and join the aboriginal economy to elevate? Did they come here and, and elevate within the Native American economy? Did they go to Africa and elevate within African economy? Hell, did the Jews just in 1964, 
Did they go to the Middle East and elevate within the Palestinian economy? Nobody elevates where they've got us trying to do something that has never been accomplished in the history of human existence. And I know they like to use these statistics to talk about, well, uh, um, Asian people in America are thriving. But that's only if you isolate them from all other Asian people all around the world. And only if you define thriving in a white context. Also, if you go to Japan, you'll find that the average black person living in Japan has higher education, higher rates of income, higher social mobility. If you go and find the average black person living in Russia, immigrant populations always outdo native populations. That's just the nature of immigration and things. The people with the most resources and upper mobilities are the ones who immigrate. Homeless people don't immigrate. People on public assistance don't immigrate. They don't even have passports. So it is really absurd for us to even compare ourselves to immigrant populations. You know, so anyway, we have all these internal contradictions that I don't think that we've taken the time to suss out. In fact, it has been sussed out, but some of it we forgot, some of it we neglect. And now in the era of the Internet and social media, you know, and these things about our culture and what is African culture. And I always get this questions about African cultures. And we have a very warped sense of not just what culture is but how culture applies to revolution and what is revolution? because culture is inadequate. Black culture is inadequate. We need revolutionary black culture, revolutionary African culture, because just culture alone is inadequate. Again, back to Kwame Ture, he said, when people have a natural evolutionary process, all nations and, and groups of people, and when your evolutionary process is disrupted through colonization or, or, or um, enslavement, you have to abandon natural development and, and, and step, you switch lanes to revolutionary advancement or you will become extinct. Yep. So anyway, Bro Diallo Show, Q4 Radio, AM 1680. Um, we might have to take this up Tuesday. And I promise you, I'm going to start the moment I walk in. I want to talk about these concepts of consumer identity, parasocial uh, relationship, and um, validation gangs which are present in the conscious community and expanding. And these are some new cultural concepts that have been, been given birth to or exacerbated by the Internet era and how we can stop allowing the Internet social media to be a hindrance to re black revolutionary unity and development and start using it as an asset. Because as Karl Marx said, the capitalist will sell you the shovel for which to dig his grave. So these materials and we have greater assets than our ancestors had, but yet we're not we're slowing down the progress or we're regressing in many areas. So how do we have more tools and more opportunities than our ancestors, but we're making slower progress in terms of collective yeah. liberation and even in terms of person to person understanding and comprehension of, of our struggle and what we should do and where we are and where we should go. So that'll be Tuesday because Monday we're going to have um, uppity Negress in the studio good. and then next friday you'll be back on the are scene are both of them gonna be here i don't know that'll be good because it's some identity theft going on i'm gonna get to the bottom of it how so because one half you know uppity negress uh there's two of them right there's cassie and kiki yeah but cassie contacts me claiming she's kiki she did that i don't know if she did it or not 
And then she said she had this account in Nigeria. And if I could send her our bank account, <laughs> she can get this money out of Nigeria. I so I'm waiting send on Send money to so Cassie, <laughs> not Kiki. Cassie's more trustworthy. So we don't <laughs> look. I don't know. But I'm going to figure it out. You know. So I'm going to figure out what's going on. But I'm a realtor. Let me not start that mess because the internet going to run with it. Uh, she said, Kiki said she was suspended. And when she gets suspended, they suspended her account. <laughs> Then she went, but you know, when she she says she's gonna work it all out. Soon as she gets that money out of Nigeria and deposited in our account, we get to keep half of it and get the rest to her. So we about to get paid. So Bro Diallo show gonna be off the air because we about to get paid and I don't have to do this no more. So anyway, Monday, uppity negress. Wednesday we're gonna have revolutionary culture and cultural revolution and how you know, to use how they have hijacked our evolutionary, our natural evolutionary development connections to to serve capitalism and white domination. And then Friday we'll be back and we'll have uh, some really big announcements. Yeah, I'm working on Some really big announcements for African World Order, African World Coalition, Ecologic Outreach, and and the larger revolution that the Bro Diallo Show and many others advocate for and what steps we're taking. It's almost time to start uh, the growth season's coming up. Yes. It's only one degree here in Chicago, so I know it's real. And they looking for that. <laughs> That's your favorite. He That's, loves Gil Scott. He yeah. said it's two degrees and we're looking for this. Right. But now you. you. Sorry. Snitches, man. Anyway, um, I know it's kind of hard in one degree weather to be thinking about growing food, but this cold air is really good. It's rejuvenative for, for the, so I think we'll have a good growth season. Me too. There's been a lot of good precipitation. So it's time I, to start composting. We're going to meet up. I'm going to call a meeting for, for the growers and we're going to set up to prep for a, a prosperous 2020, uh, growth season. We want to grow a ton of food for the people, teach people how to cultivate their own food. And, and then share and Chauncey food. came out last year and really tried. Yeah. To yeah. So we, we, we going to, we going to do it big. Chauncey, man, don't mention that dude's name. He he's he's supposed to bring some Uncle Eddie's cookies. We are supposed to meet Sat Sunday. You know I'm gonna do like Umar. Hey, I'm going for Chauncey. I'm gonna have to Umar Chauncey. Don't call Umar him Chauncey. out. You could always just call him. Nah, men don't call. I'm telling you, I'm I on the Umar program. So Haven't you been sucking? Ain't you smell all these pheromones? I'm admitting. <laughs> I'm on the Umar program. I don't call. I'm mean, you know. I'm saying like I'm an alpha man. Call. I just thump my chest and he like should he hear the vibration. Like send a messenger message. Yeah, yeah. Or I could just use do the. the <laughs> <laughs> I could just do it, and I just thought, but we need to be more. Fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess. But he did. We were supposed to meet last weekend. I could have told him face to face. Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. Anyway, hey, hey, I'm no, I'm not attacking Chauncey. I am doing. Is that Chauncey moves <laughs> to Wilmington, <laughs> Delaware? <laughs> but no, he said he was. You was there when he called. I don't listen. We was on the couch in the living room. When he was I like, have, "Oh, I'll see I you need Sunday." To have a meeting, it happens. When I need to have a meeting, it happens. When if I was involved, this meeting would have happened. Are you so right? But you only meet with him because you're trying to trying to trying to mac pimp him out. He's one of the people that uh, you're trying to make a love connection for. So, so since what? you snitched on me when I use when I stole Gil Scott Heron's joke and you came and told, so and it's if we and tell the him, lady knows who she is too. So let's tell, let's tell everything right here on the. Oh, it's nine o'clock. Okay, you you lucked out. <laughs> you lucked out. I was about to expose you, and you know how the internet loves exposure. I was about to expose you, but it's nine o'clock. She knows who she. Why is. isn't the outro music playing? 
Oh, there it is. All right. Thank so you all for we'll having see y'all. Thank you. Audience. We'll see y'all Monday. Have a good weekend. Stay warm. There is a severe weather advisory in Chicago. Any exposed skin can be damaged. So if you're going to be out, you got to really cover up, y'all. Real talk. All jokes aside. And we see y'all Monday. Peace. But stay warm. Uh, we building a fire over at the Bro Diallo and Dr. Mingo house. So y'all want to come sit at the fireplace. You're all welcome. Everybody. That's not true. I'm not and and Dr. Mingo will make. You said you're going to make the uh, strawberry. No, the strawberry cupcakes. Don't, don't come looking for that. I, I really like it. Right, come on, Dr. Umar. He's looking for people anyway. <laughs> anyway, Bro Diallo Show. Q4 Radio. AM 1680. Chicago. State of Illinois. America. Cucka. The night before New Year's and all through the projects, not a handgun was silent, not even a tech. Outsiders were stuck by enemies who put fear and blasted on the spot before the pigs were dead. You know, hoods, robbers, snipers, new in sight. They escaped before them flashed the lights. Gunshots shattered first floor window panes. Shells hit the ground and blood stained the dice game. Weather broke calisthenic, in the style you said it be toothless. Physically cut up like gooses. But with iron on the side, thugs took no excuses. Therefore, your 52 hand blocks is useless. Links were snatched off necks, scars on throats. Jackets took after bullet rips and coats against those who felt the cold from the steel. Made them fold and squeal. Once the metal hit the temple of his grill, construction worker who was caught for his bomber. No time to swing the hammer that was hanging from his farmers. In his bug, how some kept slugs and pockets dug from everything except check stubs, and it does sound ill like wars in Brownsville or fatal robberies in Red Hook with feds luck for fugitives to shoot cops. Playing on rooftops for his cream, he stashed in a shoebox, but he was hot and the strip was filled with young killers you don't suspect. So cops creep like caterpillars and born thieves. They hooded with extra bullets. Those who try to flee, they hit